If one person knew the secret to telling whether a relationship would stand the test of time, whether it would last and be a long, happy, fruitful marriage, that one person would be very rich and nobody would ever get divorced. Are you planning a Jewish or interfaith wedding? Are you lost on where to even begin planning the ceremony, let alone finding a rabbi to help you? Well, it doesn't matter whether one of you is Jewish or you're both Jewish. You deserve a guide. So take a deep breath. I promise it will all be okay. Welcome to Your Jewish Wedding with Rabbi Leanne. Here, I can be everyone's rabbi. (laughs) Yours too. My guests and I will share everything we know to help make your Jewish or interfaith wedding full of tradition and perfectly yours. Hi, everyone. I am so glad to have you here with me today. I will tell you what, it's the end of August. I know it's not going to last, but it is 68 degrees outside. I'm burning a fall candle. I'm actually getting excited for Rosh Hashanah. Two weeks ahead of Rosh Hashanah, which never happens here in Ohio. It seems like it never happens. It's always so hot. I know the temperature is going to go up in the next couple weeks. I'm not here trying to jinx anything. I'm just saying that for today, I have my hot drinks and I have my fall candle burning in my office. I'm thrilled, and I hope you're having a great day as well. I wanted to talk to all of you today about premarital counseling. It is one of the most common questions I get about officiating weddings, uh, especially from couples who uh, don't want premarital counseling. You know, you guys are so busy planning your weddings. There's so many things to do. There are cake tastings and venue tours and meetings with your planner, meetings with your DJ and meetings with your florist and phone calls with your mom and your mother-in-law and bridesmaids weekends and wedding showers and all kinds of stuff. And you might think, listen, if wedding planning does not test our relationship and our readiness to be married, nothing will. (laughs) I, I hear you. Once in a while, I get a question from a couple about whether I can give them premarital counseling. So let's get into it. Let's start with the answer many of you have come here to hear. The answer is no, I do not require premarital counseling from my couples. I also do not offer premarital counseling to my wedding couples. So... Now that that's clear, we've cleared the air around that. Do I recommend premarital counseling? Yes. And also no. And as usual, it depends, right? You know, you guys know the old saying, there's two Jews and three opinions. Well, here on this podcast, you have at least today, one Jew and three, maybe four opinions. Okay. That's why we're here. We're here doing a deep dive into the subject of premarital counseling, how it relates to your rabbi, especially how you might come across the topic when you're planning a Jewish wedding. I've always known from the beginning of starting my business, Your Ohio Rabbi LLC, yes, it's a wedding officiant business, I've always known I would not require premarital counseling. There are several reasons. 
The first one is I believe very strongly in trusting my gut. I think that in especially today's society with access to so many opinions on the internet, right? If we have a question, we can find 10,000 different answers. We can also always find something that speaks to our confirmation bias, which means if I look up, is the earth flat? I can find lots of websites that explain to me, yes, exactly. It is, it is flat. I can also find lots of things to make me doubt myself. So if I know the earth is round and I search, is the earth round? After a couple hours of reading the internet, I might, I might be thinking like, maybe it's not. <laughs> so I do believe in trusting my gut. If I know that I don't have anxiety around a particular topic, especially like the idea of premarital counseling, I don't have a positive or negative association with it personally, then my gut tells me, Rabbi Leanne, that's not something that you should be doing or even that you can do. Okay, so here's why. I have been married for 18 years, almost 19 years, this Sukkot. So I know a lot about marriage, but I only know a lot about one marriage, and that's mine. And also, there's still a lot I don't know about that. Some of you have been married for 30 or 40 years, might be listening to me, and they're like, you don't know anything. It's true. Everything's relative, right? More than that, I think of myself as a person with really strong respect for most professions. I work hard. You work hard. And those of you who have worked with me on your wedding, I always ask what you do, not because like I'm judging or anything. It's because I genuinely want to know what you do. I think as a person who spent a lot of time in graduate school to become a specialist of sorts, I have a really strong appreciation for the effort and the passion and the drive it takes to become a specialist in pretty much anything. And so that's why I asked. That's why I want to know, because it affects the way I look at you and engage with you in terms of understanding sort of what drives you to do what you do. That's all. It's a completely benign ask. I'm not judging anybody. I just, honestly, I'm a little nosy. I want to know what you do with your, with your life. I also want to know what you had for lunch. Okay. Sue me. It's like a, it's like a Yenta thing. Okay. So that said, I have such a strong and deep respect for anybody who is an LPC, uh, MSW, licensed professional counselor, master of social work, anybody who has that qualification to do any kind of counseling. Because I think that people are so complex and our cultural landscape sh keeps shifting and that affects the way people think and behave and wonder about things. Your training has to be constant and constantly evolving. I am neither trained, educated, or prepared to be a counselor. And I believe that it's my responsibility in my business, in my relationship with you, to be as trained, educated, and prepared as possible for any service that I offer. I am not even close to being prepared to offer premarital counseling. Now, I think that the next... Now, I do know a lot of my fellow officiants offer premarital counseling, most of them don't require it, I don't think. Many of them offer it. I have no doubt that those people are trained, educated, and prepared as they possibly can be to offer that counseling. Because I have faith in my colleagues. I have respect for my colleagues. I just don't think I'm at that level. My goal, by the way, is to have a, at least one of those colleagues on the show. I've spoken personally to a couple of colleagues who offer premarital counseling. And 
I am very excited to hopefully get them on here. So send good thoughts about that. Aside from not being qualified, not feeling qualified to offer premarital counseling, I spend a lot of time thinking about what would my goal for premarital counseling be for my couples? What would be basically what would be the point for me to ask for premarital counseling? I think that there's an idea that premarital counseling allows us to control something about the future. It gives us an illusion, perhaps, of controlling the future. Like if I sit with this couple for four sessions and talk with them about conflict resolution and their interfaith home and their love languages, maybe, and their Enneagram type or whatever it is, then I will have an idea of the lasting power of this relationship, or they will be more convinced that they should be married. It's almost like a lot of people I see offering or especially requiring premarital counseling. It's a condition for them because they don't want to officiate a wedding that they think will fail. I do think that some relationships can have red flags. I do not believe that anyone can predict the length, strength, longevity of any relationship with 100% certainty or maybe even 50% certainty. You know, between you and me, I have either attended weddings or officiated weddings for couples that I was sure were a sure thing and they've since split or vice versa. You know, that wedding ceremony said to me, like, this is going to be a real doozy for them to keep together a lot of hard work. You know, I hope they make it. But and years and years later, they're still going real strong because a relationship between two people is a relationship between two people. I'm not sure what goal I could possibly set for myself through premarital counseling that would be achievable. And I hope that makes sense. One of the main reasons we can't predict or control the outcome of our couple's relationship or the health of their relationship is because life is unpredictable and random. Things happen in an instant that can change the course of our entire lives for worse, God forbid, or for better. The thing I want to remind us all of, couples planning a wedding, officiants, chevra, my fellow rabbis, each individual person is an individual. We talk so much in the wedding industry about two people becoming one, sharing a life, building a new family. And I think it's beautiful and romantic, and it's kind of easy to forget that each person thinks and does things that are specific and particular only to his or herself. We can never predict the way a person will act or react to life events, even if that life event is as standard as the birth of a child or a midlife crisis or the graduation of those children or our bodies getting older. There are a hundred reactions each individual in that marriage could possibly have to any of those things. And no matter how much we believe we know one another on the day we get married, it is impossible for us even to predict the future behavior of our husband or wife. That's why we say vows, yes. But there is also an assumption, especially in Jewish weddings because of the ketubah, which is for another episode, there is an assumption that there is always something that can deal break that marriage. I can't imagine what conversation I could possibly have with couples to either predict that or to guard them against it. Life is stranger than fiction. 
I'm not even kidding you. I love reading and I also love writing books. There are so many things that I see in the headlines that I know that if I read it in a book or if I wrote it in a book, someone would say that is so unrealistic. It shouldn't even be in fiction, but life is stranger than fiction. It's a saying for a reason. Of course, we can examine statistics about divorce, God forbid. The younger you get married, the more likely you are to get divorced. If you've been married before and you get married again, you are 90% more likely to get divorced. If you both have very strong religious beliefs and you have the same basically religious beliefs, you're 14 less percent less likely to get divorced. If you're a high school dropout, you're 13% more likely to get divorced. If you have an IQ, you're more likely to stay married. If you're conservative politically, you're much less likely to get divorced. It goes on and on and on. I'm actually I'm going to put a link to all these divorce statistics in the show notes. Not that I want you to read and internalize them, but just to demonstrate how much data we have on the longevity of marriage in our culture and to emphasize that I cannot imagine making any decision about an individual couple based on this stuff. Do do I realize that our brains are not fully mature until we're 25 years old? Yes. Did I get married at the age of 22? Also, yes. Life is random, guys. Life is pandemonium. I've been married for 19 years. I love my husband. Most importantly, I really like him. We get along so well. We respect each other. Could be that something would have happened in our lives that would have changed that, but it didn't. So here we are. Now I'm off on another tangent. Another reason I don't require premarital counseling as a rabbi, I don't have to. Okay. As a Jewish officiant, we don't have a governing body that says we have to do marriage a certain way. Jewish law, yes, we have. It's a layered discussion on lots of topics surrounding marriage. We do not have anything that says anything about what we have to do with premarital counseling. Even if we did, some of us wouldn't adhere to that. Okay. The evolution of Jewish law and Jewish living is, is a wild, twisty road. I did do my research about premarital counseling and what it is to the extent that I was capable, meaning I listened to a lot of podcasts and I read a book about it before I came onto this podcast to speak with you all about it. A lot of the issues that have traditionally come up in premarital counseling are things like, sort of like I mentioned before, conflict management, um, especially if there's an interfaith home, how we're going to structure that home religiously. How do we manage money? How do we experience love? What's our standard of housekeeping? A lot of these things were developed as topics for premarital counseling because couples had not lived together. In the year 2023, the vast majority of couples that I see at least have lived together for some significant amount of time before they even think about getting engaged, certainly before they come talk to me. So even if I like looked up a manual on how to conduct premarital counseling, even if I knew the answer to a lasting marriage and to perfect communication and all that stuff, a lot of that would have already been covered because if you really couldn't stand each other on several of those levels, you guys would have broken up. Now, it's not that I don't talk to my couples at all. We go through step-by-step. Step, when we plan the wedding ceremony, we go step-by-step step through every part of it. A lot of the parts of the ceremony bring up important topics, topics of conversation between couples that they had literally never thought of before we sat down to talk about the ceremony, whether they want to use a family kiddush cup, 
whether they want their parents involved in the ceremony, whether they want to reference God, whether they want to reference future children. And sometimes whether I have seen concern from the Jewish partner that Jewish elements of a wedding would make the non-Jewish partner uncomfortable. And that non-Jewish partner was like, no, I'm really into this. So the stuff that I am qualified, I think, to help couples think through, I'm already doing it. But at the end of the day, I'm not a gatekeeper. Okay, I don't consider that my position to determine the health of a relationship or to determine whether it's the focus is worthy or whether their communication methods are worthy of doing their wedding. I'm going to say something that I say often, and I think it kind of makes people think if I do say so myself. If one person knew the secret to telling whether a relationship would stand the test of time, whether it would last and be a long, happy, fruitful marriage, that one person would be very rich and nobody would ever get divorced. I certainly am not that person. If you think that you have even 1% of that person within you, ask yourself why. And as I said, I will have some officiants who work in premarital counseling. They're going to tell me if my assumptions are correct or offensive or whatever, and hopefully we'll hug it out at the end if I've been offensive. So of course, because this is a Jewish podcast... Of course, there is a possible answer other than yes or no. If you were to ask me, Rabbi Leanne, do you do premarital counseling? The answers are yes, no. And since this is a Jewish podcast, what's the third answer? You all know it. It's, it depends. Okay. If I were going to do any kind of premarital counseling ever, which again, I do not currently do, And even if I wanted to do premarital counseling, I wouldn't even know what kind of systems I would have to have in place to do it. I would, I could imagine myself speaking with couples about specifically Jewish issues. So that might include sometime in the future, interfaith issues. Do you have questions about how to run an interfaith home? However, I would only be able to give you guys really solid advice on the Jewish side of things. Like if you had a question, how do we set up our home to keep kosher? How do we celebrate different holidays? Can you help us with the Jewish education plan for our future children, God willing? I could see myself possibly in the future doing that kind of premarital counseling. But again, I can't speak to the Catholic or Greek Orthodox or Muslim or Hindu side to any of that because I'm not educated in that. And I, and I would not be educated in that because I don't belong to those faith communities. If you do have those kinds of questions right now, if you're engaged You have questions like that about an interfaith home or like the how-tos of Judaism or just like a 101, Judaism 101, you don't know anything and you'd like to know something kind of situation, go to 18doors.org or the Melton, M-E-L-T-O-N, School of Adult Jewish Learning, meltonschool.org. Either of those sites have lots of options for courses, articles, I don't know, maybe journaling prompts that will do a much better job of tackling those specific topics with you. Okay. And if you are working with me on your wedding, like ask me questions. Okay. It's not going to be like premarital counseling, but I think that there have been a lot of instances where people have asked me things and we've had a little chat about it. It's fine. Of course, that's not the entire episode. Of course, we're not done there. We're going to take a short break. And after that, 
whether I think premarital counseling is a good idea at all. Okay, welcome back. Just because I don't require premarital counseling, it does not mean that I think it's a bad idea, okay? I looked into it. Honestly, it seems kind of nice, okay? Now, I know that I mentioned love languages and Enneagram types and communication strategies and gratitude journals and whatever beforehand, uh, making the couple answer all kinds of questions, like it's some like survey that you need to qualify for marriage. And I did do some research, like I told you, listen to a lot of experts, psychologists on podcasts, things like that. And I've learned that as the field of counseling and specifically couples counseling has become more open and innovative, they've made some big strides. Not all counseling is like a class you have to get through or even like a series of hoops you have to jump through. Some of it still is, and we'll mention that in a little bit. But for all the reasons I said above, as a wedding rabbi, I do not require or even offer any premarital counseling from that perspective. So you're Jewish, you deserve a Jewish wedding. The state of your relationship is really none of my business, unless there's something, God forbid, awful going on, like abuse. God forbid. Like I said, I have met couples who have made it through the long haul under some absolutely unbelievable circumstances. The stories I could tell, right? Me and all my efficient buddies. What I did learn is that there are many types of premarital counseling. And if you are thinking about going through with premarital counseling with your beloved, consider before you reach out, don't just look for any premarital counselor. Know which type of counseling you're looking for before you initiate that, okay? That's my advice, at least. So, of course, there's religious premarital counseling. A lot of that is often based on specific scriptures for Christians, sometimes part of the Hebrew Bible, oftentimes part of the New Testament. Like, for example, part of the Hebrew Bible, they might study Eshet Chayil, which is a section from Proverbs that outlines all the qualities of a great wife. And a lot of Jewish people read it to their wives on Erev Shabbos on Friday night. Another one might be Song of Songs. Some more progressive pastors might be really into looking through that with you. It discusses intimacy, physical intimacy. There are also scriptures that are really important to a lot of these pastors who do premarital counseling in the New Testament. So some things that reference the relationship between a husband and wife, specifically mirroring the relationship between Christ and the church, I believe. And like, I'm not an expert. There's also some letters uh, that govern married relationships that touch on submission and service between a wife and a husband. So those things. And the Christian premarital counselors that I listened to talked a lot about a couple being equally yoked, which is a term that I sometimes hear Jewish people saying, but in a different, slightly different context. Equally yoked means, I think in a Christian context, equally devoted to Christian beliefs and values. And a lot of times those do act as hoops through which people have to jump, just so you know. Now, of course, a lot of people know about pre-CANA. Pre-CANA sounds like an acronym, but it's not. CANA is a reference to that awesome wedding Jesus went to in the New Testament, turned all the water into wine. Great guy. What a mess. It's actually, a lot of people think the pre-CANA refers to the classes, but it actually refers to all six steps of preparation for Catholic marriage, and that includes the counseling sessions. 
And I know from watching my buddy, Father Norman from Lexington on Instagram, shout out to Father Norman, that those classes are very personal and very interactive. And the couples that he works with at least seem really happy to be there. So if you are, if one of you is Catholic and you're considering premarital counseling, check out Precana. You know, it can't hurt. Okay, there's also group counseling, group premarital counseling, which I think seems like kind of a cool idea. I always like the idea of group counseling or like support groups because I feel like it's such a safe space where you can be yourself, but also get advice from other people who are maybe going through the same stuff. Duh, Rabbi Leanne, that, yes, that is group counseling. Okay, so look around for that if that's something that interests you. Now, there's also online counseling. Okay, of course, since COVID, everything's online. We can do everything virtually. There are online programs which are like, you click through, you maybe watch a video, you answer some questions, it gives you a journaling prompt. There's a trust-based system on whether or not you did it. You check your premarital counseling off your list. A lot of couples do find this very helpful, not to throw shade. It actually might be more helpful for some couples who have really busy schedules, really weird schedules. I work with a lot of doctors. I know that it can be really challenging to not only find time to spend together, but also to find time to spend together on any kind of regular basis. Okay. So this kind of premarital counseling might be exactly what you need. Okay. And some of those programs, from my understanding, actually do involve a real life counselor that you talk to face to face once in a while. I think the one that a lot of couples think about, like secular couples think about especially, is just regular old talk therapy, like with the couch, like in all the movies and all the TV shows. It's good stuff. What else can I say? You have the opportunity to sit with your future spouse in a room with somebody who is getting to know you on a very personal level, listening to all the issues that you want to bring up, listening to all the things that you view as wonderful about your relationship, using those things to help you work through the things that are not so great. It is the most personalized, as far as I understand it, gold standard for premarital counseling guess what? It's also really expensive and it takes a lot of time. So if you can do that, I guess I recommend it. I've never done couples counseling myself, so I can't really talk, you know, but I hear really good things. Okay. There are also other classes in theory. I don't know if there are any group classes near you that you can go and work through premarital counseling stuff, but certainly look into it. Now, these are all formats of premarital counseling that I've discovered exist. That's different from, uh, theories of counseling or approaches to counseling. Okay. So there are things like systems-based counseling, attachment-based counseling. I don't know much about those things. Uh, Trauma-informed counseling, I guess counseling for neurodivergent couples. I think that all those things exist. So it might be worth it for you to look into also those different theories of therapy especially the relational ones, see if any of them seems like perfect for you and then seek that out in particular, right? Because why not? We have a big wide world of access to a lot of information and a lot of resources, you know, take advantage of it. So you might say, Rabbi Leanne, you just said that we can't control the future. You just said you can't ever predict whether a couple will stay together and we can't control whether our spouse does. So what's the point? I'm glad you asked. I have heard between all my listening to podcasts, reading articles about it, reading a book about it, premarital counseling, there's a couple of big pros that really resonate with me. And I think that for a lot of couples, they would be a good thing. So the number one reflection that all of these therapists said is that it's much easier 
to go to couples counseling before things get bad, <laughs> which seems like kind of such a negative view to me. You know, but if we assume that every relationship has its struggles and trouble, we can also assume that couples will have struggles and trouble working through those issues, right? So if something goes really wrong, you have a big disagreement, or one of you feels betrayed in some way, or there is an issue that crops up that you didn't think about before you got married, but now it's really relevant and it's a big deal because what did I say? Life happens. So if God forbid something seismic happens in your marriage to shift your relationship, you might not feel so loving, open, and charitable to one another as you do in the weeks leading up to your wedding. Again, like I said, I've never planned like a big expensive wedding before, but I imagine that's stressful. You guys tell me, email me at yourjewishweddingpodcast at gmail.com. Tell me a story about how wedding planning has tested your relationship, okay? Because maybe planning a wedding is uh, like premarital counseling in itself. But when you're still feeling loving, open, generous to one another, that's a better time to work on theoretical problems or like baby problems that might grow into big giant ogre problems because you still have that lovely, happy, sweet feeling toward each other instead of having just come out of a huge fight about it. Okay. So that's an easier time to work through issues or potential issues. A lot of these therapists are saying that seems to make sense to me. So if you're doing counseling, right, here's the other thing that was kind of universal in the things that I researched. If you're doing premarital counseling, right, it will force you to examine the issues that are specific to you as a couple. Okay. Is one of you neurodivergent? Does in other words, is one of you autistic, have ADHD, have anxiety, depression, OCD? Do those differences in the way that your brain works affect your behavior on a daily basis, especially in terms of living life in a home with other people or making big decisions or getting through hard stuff? Talk about that before you get married so that not only is your partner like aware of how that might crop up, but also how to help you. And then instead of feeling blindsided and resentful, right, this kind of goes back to the last thing we were talking about, that your partner will feel prepared and excited, not excited that you're going through something, no, excited that he or she knows how to help you, okay? Does one of you have a childhood trauma that maybe you haven't talked about because you don't want to talk about it or because it's not relevant or whatever? Maybe that would be a reason to see a one-on-one premarital counselor first by yourself and then maybe along with your future spouse again so that they know the things that might affect your relationship and and the best ways that they can cope with that did you grow up in very different environments obviously this can take a whole lot of forms the obvious one that i see on a very regular basis is you grew up in different faith backgrounds however this can apply to a whole lot of stuff so did one of you grow up with a lot of money and the other one grew up with none did one of your parents have a loving, happy marriage that is lasting today and still grossing you out with their PDA, and the other one of you have parents with a really tumultuous relationship. What are the things about your childhood and your upbringing that affect the person you are today? A lot of this stuff you probably have already talked about, but if there are still things that you want to work through, it's a great reason that you might want to consider going to premarital counseling. Similarly to neurodivergence, does one of you have health issues that it's likely will spin out in a certain way or are actually present right now that might cause some particular challenges for your future spouse? Bring it up in premarital counseling. Do you currently 
disagree on something fundamental to the lasting power of a relationship, like children. Not not how will we raise the children, but even will we have children at all? How many? What will we do if we struggle, God forbid, with infertility? These, this, especially the issue of children, is so fundamental to the vision that people have of their future in so many cases that finding out after you get married that you disagree on something like that, it has broken up a lot of marriages. I'm sorry to say. Talk about it before you get married. Okay, you don't even have to go to counseling, but I really do recommend talking about that. Other stuff. Do you disagree about the relationship you should have with your in-laws? This might be like a faith or tradition-based thing, but it might not. Like, how often is it okay for your partner's mom to call your partner or to call you? Is it appropriate for your in-laws to just drop by? How often should you be visiting them? Okay, those are just two examples, but fundamental things about your future life together. Think about all the things that right now you're like a little annoyed by. The possibility that you'll be a lot more annoyed by it five years from now is pretty high. One more thing. Do you fight about the same thing over and over and over again? Does the same issue keep coming up? And you blamed it on something like, well, work is stressful or wedding planning is stressful or whatever. And I'm sure once we're married, it will all work out. Guys, that's a fatal thought. Okay. If you're fighting about the same thing over and over again, it means you have an issue. And yes, you're getting married and you'll have a whole lifetime to work through it. But also maybe maybe it's good to work through it before you get married. Again, I'm not gatekeeping and I have zero expertise or even certainty that I can predict the future of a relationship. This is just commonly held wisdom that I have heard from bunches and bunches of therapists in in the past couple of weeks when I've been looking at issue, okay? So because you don't really have any big issues yet, right? Because you haven't been married yet. Hopefully you don't have big issues before you got married. It doesn't really address specific problems. This is something I heard over and over again also. It's not about the problems themselves usually. It's about helping the two of you cultivate methods for dealing with big issues when they come up. Right? So methods of communication, differences in emotional reactive styles and how to read those, just strategies for how to handle conflict even before it exists between you. That's something that a lot of them recommended. And they also brought up that these issues might be really something that you've never thought about, especially if you don't live together or especially if you've done long distance for a long time, right? So premarital counseling can give you a chance to talk through those. If you've been in just a happy, happy dreamland because you are marrying the love of your life, congratulations, I'm very happy for you. You might be envisioning married life and have a really clear picture of exactly how it's going to go. Okay, your husband's always going to have dinner ready for you when you get home because that's what he did when you were dating. And your wife is never going to track her muddy boots on the clean carpet. And you'll always make time to spend one-on-one with each other. Or you'll always make time to let each other spend time with your friends. Whatever your vision of married life is, make sure that you know what your future spouse's vision is. Just in case it's different from yours. It's a good thing to talk about before you embark on that vision together. Okay, that can also bring up topics you hadn't even thought about previously. Maybe you envision going on vacation all the time and your spouse envisions saving up a bunch of money to buy a house. Both are beautiful visions of your future life together with beautiful goals, but they are very different. 
Okay. If you are looking for counseling from a specifically religious perspective, go for it. Pursue that. I've had one couple who wanted and sought out, were really determined to have premarital counseling from both a Jewish perspective and the perspective of the other person's faith. And they sought it out and they were thrilled with it. Another thing you might want to consider is that, okay, you don't have problems now and you know each other's visions of marriage and you get along perfectly and you're, you adore each other's families and everything's great. It's also kind of a good idea. And this I know from personal experience in, in my broader family. It's good to have a therapist on deck, guys. It's good to have a relationship with a therapist that you know you get along with and you know you trust. And of course, the last reason that you probably definitely want to pursue premarital counseling is that there is a clergy member that is going to say a blessing at your wedding or whose approval you require who has required premarital counseling of you. Okay. If your childhood priest is stepping up at your wedding ceremony to say a blessing or your childhood pastor is leading your interfaith wedding ceremony and she says, I really require you guys to have this premarital counseling before I'll agree to stand up at your wedding, you got to do it. Okay. I don't do that, but a lot of people do. So just, just do what they ask. Okay. Don't try to get around the system. So again, I think it's good to go if you can at least one session, you know, do one journaling exercise online, listen to one podcast about, you know, issues couples often face in marriages, go for it. I do, however, have a few reasons that I think that it's a bad idea, actually, to pursue premarital counseling. If you think that you will go to premarital counseling and that that will guarantee or even give you armor that you will never get divorced, do not go to premarital counseling. Don't go to premarital counseling with that idea in your head like, okay, we went, now we won't get divorced. We did what we needed to do. We were responsible. If you think that going to premarital counseling with your fiance will force your fiance to be honest with you. You've been experiencing issues in your relationship where you think the person's holding back. And now if you go to premarital counseling, it'll bring everything to light and it'll force that person's hand. Guess what? Remember what I said at the beginning of the episode? We are all individuals with thoughts, secrets, predilections, and future actions of our own, some of which we don't even know yet. It is not a guarantee that after you've gone to this session or through this program that you know every honest thought of your fiance's heart because you never will and you never can. Basically, if you're in any way looking at premarital counseling like any kind of insurance, don't. Don't think of it that way, but don't do it either. Okay. If your heart is not in it in some way, okay, if you're really not willing to spend the time or the money, okay, if you're just going to do it because somebody said you had to and you're going to check it off your list so you can say you did, honestly, that's... That's not a mature reason to do it and you shouldn't. Mature people should get married, okay? If one of you is not willing to go, if you feel like you're going to have to be dragged to premarital counseling or you're going to have to drag your fiance or you're doing it as a favor or she's doing it as a favor for you, don't. Okay, work through that first. Work through that before you make the decision. Or if either of you is insisting on a particular type and the other won't budge. Okay, so one of you really wants to go do trauma-informed counseling and the other person is like, I think that's a bunch of hooey. I don't believe in it. I'm not going. That also maybe should make you examine your relationship in general. But in, in general, if somebody's being forced to go, I don't think it's a good idea to go to premarital counseling. Okay, work that out in a separate arena before you embark because it really should be something. In order to not waste your time, your therapist's time, 
any money, whatever, you both should be on board, at least to some degree, okay? Nobody should be dragged. So for now, because remember, I told you I'm going to have actual experts on, okay, to talk about it, actual officiants, hopefully a therapist or counselor who works with premarital couples. If you're listening to this, reach out. I would love to have you on. For now, my advice is going to be, I think it's a good thing to do if you're both on board to whatever degree you want to be on board. Maybe you want to try lots of different types. Maybe you both have something in mind. But when you walk into that first therapy session or log on to that first premarital counseling module or whatever it is, you both should be there together. Okay. Just like you want to start your marriage together. Go in as a team for whatever reason you're there as a team. So again, this is just an overview. And I have to tell you, I do applaud everyone who was listening to this because I think it's one of those podcast topics where you can be like, oh, I don't want to think about that because I've avoided thinking about it so far. So congratulations, all of you who have been here. I promise that in the future, I am going to do my best to have real experts on. But in case any of you were wondering why you might encounter a rabbi or an officiant who would not require premarital counseling or even would not recommend premarital counseling with herself, these are my reasons. You've heard them, all the ones I have so far. But please remember that there are still reasons that I think it's a great idea. And it is an ongoing evolving conversation that I am always having with myself and my colleagues because why? That's right, because there's always more learning to do. So once again, thank you for being here. I've had a wonderful time and I can't wait to see you again for the next episode. Well, everyone, I have had the best time being your rabbi for this episode. I'm so glad you joined me for another little bit of insight into planning your perfect Jewish or interfaith wedding. Until you can smash that glass on your big day, you'd might as well smash that subscribe button for this podcast. I don't want you to miss a single thing. Remember, you can always find me, Rabbi Leanne, on Instagram at at yourohiorabbi, all one word, for even more tips, tricks, recommendations, and wisdom on Jewish weddings. If you want to work with me on your wedding, You'll find all the info you need at yourohiorabbi.com. Until next time, remember, you deserve the perfect wedding for you. Don't settle for anything less.